Thank you. Our worship team is uh, very committed. Our tech team, our kids XP and our nursery workers and cafe and all kinds of people, security and hospitality. Just want to say thank you to everybody that serves in the church and all around. And God bless you for what you do. So good to be with you all today. What an encouraging message in the song we sing today, isn't it? God is doing something. I want you to know that. We welcome you that are online. Welcome to all of you that are in person, and welcome back to those of you that are coming back. Glad that you are with us, and it's exciting to be with you and all that God is doing. Today at 5 o'clock is our annual church conference. We didn't have one because of COVID last year, um, but this year we're going to do both online and in person. Your voting is already taking place online. You should have got an email from us if you are a member of the church. If you attend here, you're part of our family. We love you. But you do have to become an official member by filling out an application on the website, and then the, the board votes on that, and you get information you have to agree to, etc., etc. You all know that. You should be doing that. We also have an app at the App Store that you can download that gives you all that information easy to find. We have a new search engine on the website, so you can find what, how to become a member, all that stuff. So please know that. If you did not get an email and you are a member, then you should look in your spam because we're there. You did get that email, unless you have not given us your email address. Therefore, then, you would probably need to start there. That'd be awesome. All the voting for the board this year and the proposed budget will be taking place online. And that will be ending today at 4 o'clock with the conference at 5. We will live stream the conference, which is also part of that email. So is the packet of financials and all those stuff you'll be getting. Okay? So check that stuff out. I don't like doing commercials, but that one is a necessity, and we have to let you know what's going on. We also would like for you to just look for opportunities to serve. We still need some help with uh, filling the nursery schedule as well as kids XP workers and different teachers and aspects of area of ministry. Father, we love you. Such an incredible opportunity today. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. You're so amazing. We just give ourselves to you right now, Lord. We give you glory, praise, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to know I'm not discouraged by how many people aren't here. I'm encouraged by those of you that are. Seriously, I love you. As we just started this service on Easter Sunday, we're looking forward to re-engaging and just seeing what God's doing. And so thanks for being here. Let your friends know that there's opportunities and seats for here. Some people are still uncomfortable being close to people. This is a place for you to be not close to people if you want to. There's plenty of seats for you. Today is a significant date in history. We've been talking about all those things that have taken place since the beginning in Garden of Eden, different things in history that have taken place in Pentecost. But today on June the 6th is a modern historical date. And the date that we're talking about is in 1944. And that date is known as D-Day, Operation Overlord. And what happened, and we're going to talk about this in a spiritual aspect, but it's important for us as we look at history, how things happen. What took place was one of the largest amphibious military assaults in the history of the world. 156,000 troops from Great Britain, Canada, and America came against Hitler and his forces on the northern regions of France. And they came against that shoreline trying to come in and take that place back that Germany had taken from France. Hitler was moving into Europe and he had plans to take over all of Europe. And obviously we know it was going to take over the world as always any dictator's plan is to take over the world. On that day, 156,000 troops would be engaged and there would be 5,000 ships and 11,000 aircraft, all part of what was happening. At 6.30 a.m. in the morning, everything was launched. What happened was paratroopers were flown in by airplane and dropped behind the enemy lines. Their job was to secure the bridges, roads, and airstrips and not allow anything in to support the troops or back out to get back to the troops. So there was a behind-the-scenes activity that took place as well as a full frontal attack that took place. However, church, there's something significant in history, and we are not doing a very good job of teaching history in our modern schools, but we should learn these things and understand stuff because there's so much for us to learn from history. Church, while this was being planned, 
the, the leaders of this military activity did something pretty significant. They leaked a story that they were going to be attacking in a different area. And it was an intentional deception so that Hitler's leadership and all the military would be focusing on that region of where they were being told they were going to be attacked from. To help with this deception, they dispersed dummy equipment and they began activity over on this line to make it look like they were preparing for an attack. As they put this mirage forward, Hitler and his armies, the Nazis, were planning for protection, defense, and to fight against that. The whole while, the actual movement was happening over here. The leaders had gotten word that the general that was in charge of the troops in Germany, I mean, that was taking place there in for Germany, for Hitler, was going to be on leave June the 5th. The actual plan for the attack was June the 5th, but weather prevented that from happening, and so they just waited. And on June the 6th, the assault happened. Everything began in that moment of 6.30 a.m. Nazi Germany and their troops had no idea what was going on because they had focused everything over here. Their leadership was on vacation, and American and Allied troops began the assault. At that time... Germany was winning, and they had been taking territory. But something changed on that day. Something changed. This is what happened. While they were focusing on a false front, the actual battle took place. Within two months of D-Day, that campaign was successful, and they drove Hitler and his army out of France. It wasn't there long thereafter until the war was ending and Hitler and Germany surrendered. Why? Because they were defeated by focusing on a false front when the actual battle was taking place right there. Hmm. Now, as we think about this, when we contemplate what was happening, what is going on, church, I am convinced that the enemy has used this attack against the church and the church has been focusing on false fronts ignoring the real battle and we have lost territory our God will not lose the war but his church has surrendered much territory that God intended for us to possess and the way the enemy has done it is to get us engaged on false fronts and things of insignificance that do not have eternal value, but they are things that are real. And church, we look at that and we begin focusing on all that stuff over there. What happened was the troops were surrounded on both sides and pretty soon when they recognized as they called for help and leadership was absent, when they were looking for answers, it wasn't coming. All their supply lines were cut off, and pretty soon they were defeated. The first defeat comes internal, and then it becomes real. They were without hope. All their resources and security were cut off from them, and they were left isolated and alone and defeated. Church, as we think about this, and I see the church has heard, please, today, hear this message in entirety. If you've ever heard a whole message, please make today today. The enemy has had the church focusing on false fronts. We have been focusing on areas of insignificance that do not have eternal value. And all the while, the enemy has brought an assault against the Christian faith, the Word of God, and the truth of who He is. The assault is all about removing Jesus from the equation. The church began to be internally focused. This has happened for decades now here in the United States. We began to focus on us, our needs, meeting our needs, meeting Christians' needs, and just began to be internally focused. 
as we began to focus internally, focusing on us, me, by the way, that's where sin has its root, right? We know that. Not on God, on me. And the church began to focus on me and my needs. Do you know people shop for churches on what the church offers them? Right? We're not looking for a church where God has asked us to serve. We're looking for a church that's called to serve us. That's, it's not what God's word teaches. But you see, the enemy has gotten us to focus on us the whole while he's been sneaking behind the lines planting a plan. This is what's happened in the United States. While the church was internally focused, the enemy has been slipping into the school system. He's been slipping into the universities. He's been slipping into the government, the judicial system, the prisons. He's been sneaking his troops behind the lines while the church is focused on our stuff. The enemy has been planting and working, planning for a day where he comes in for the kill. And the church is so focused on the false fronts. What are they, church? What are these false fronts that we're looking at? The church is focused on itself and what it thinks and how we're different from them down there and how we can offer you more. So come and join us. We're focused on, hey, how were you baptized? I'm sorry, but if you weren't dunked, you're not real. You got water poured on you? Yeah, well, I'm physically on it. Yep, sorry, you don't make it. You're not going to heaven unless you get dunked. That's real baptism. Look, I'm not making fun of baptism, church. What I'm saying is the church has divided itself and we're focusing on our stuff instead of Jesus. And the enemy's been working the whole while bringing about a destruction with an intention of destroying the word of Jesus Christ. Because the outside world that is broken and looking for answers sees the church internalized and sees us as no hope. No help, no message. We're looking at Pentecost that we were celebrating. Do you realize that God's promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit, has become a dividing point in the church? It has. You believe it happens this way? Oh, you think that? Oh, you know what? That's not what it meant there. No, they can't do that. No, God's word says some stuff to us, church. What he says is, in the last days, Pentecost 2,000 years ago, for all of you that are confused by your prophetic things, the last days started on the day of Pentecost. God's word says so. God said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon you. Do you know why Peter quoted that? Because it happened. It was the fulfillment of God's promise spoken through the prophet Joel. It happened that day. Some people are thinking, God, pour your spirit out today because it hasn't happened yet. No, it happened at Pentecost. Not only that, he tells us, you're going to dream dreams and have visions. You're going to have men and women prophesying. Wait a minute. No woman can prophesy. Wait, that's what God said. Come on, church. God said they would. Who are we to say no? Hold your tongue, woman. Go home where you belong. Church, come on. We divided over these things. We're going to talk about, hey, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. God's Word doesn't say that. Not only that, when you read Acts chapter 2, church, here's a revelation for you. Everybody understood in their own language. They weren't up here talking in some other language and somebody told them what they said. No. They were speaking and everyone understood. That was Acts chapter 2, church. That's what God's Word says. Why are we confused? Read the Bible. Oh, wait a minute. We're no longer believing that God's Word is God's Word. I mean, parts of it are true, but not all of it, right? Man, we're messed up. Church, the enemy's got us looking at this. Wait, did God really say, whoa, where did that come from? The devil's the one that said those words in the beginning. Why? Because he's trying to get us off focus. 
looking at false fronts because he doesn't want us to focus on Jesus, which is actually what we're called to do. Because if he can get us looking at all these other things, he's going to be doing stuff and we're going to be defeated. It's history. It's happening. False fronts. Now, I know that this is going to offend some people, but it's okay. See, we've even made the return of Christ such a focus that we've lost the purpose of what he told us his return was about. We're so consumed, not all of us, but many in the modern church, are so out of focus with what Jesus is all about that we're so focused on when he comes that we're forgetting the fact that there's all kinds of people dying every day going to a Christless eternity in hell because we're so focused on him coming back and redeeming us and getting us out of this mess. Jesus said, I came for those who are lost. Okay, the whole while we've been focusing on all this junk, there's been an all-out assault on the gospel. All-out assault. The enemy has just come after the gospel. He's come after the good news. At the beginning of that video, at the beginning of our service, if you watch that, 100 out of the first 110 universities that started in this country started as Christian universities. Started. Started. No longer. The Ivy League. They were all Christian universities. No. They're anti-Christ now. Why, church? Because, see, while the church was doing its thing, the enemy was doing his thing. And we're focused on that and that and that and that. And he's just like, okay, keep looking. I'm doing something. Keep looking over there. I got something going. What we're living in today is D-Day. Yeah, not the good one. See, the things that have fallen and are falling is because the church has missed the focus. It's not the Democrats or the Republicans' fault. It's not. It's not society's fault. They've always been lost. They need Jesus. See, it's the church's fault. Because we were so focused on me, mine, and us that we forgot there's something more to this, and it's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. So these are a couple hypothetical questions, not action steps. Well, they can be, but that's not where we are. If Jesus was coming back in 2021, that's this year, what is the number one thing he would want the church to be doing? Think about that for a minute. Just think about it. Just hang on. Just, I want you to think. What is the number one thing he would want the church to be doing? If Jesus is coming back in 2021, what is the number one thing he would want you personally to be doing? So, as we look at those things and think about it, shouldn't those be our priority right now? Shouldn't they? Yeah, man, I hear you saying yes. I do, and I'm not, I'm not being disrespectful. But you know, when we leave here today, are we going to do those things? Okay, so it should be our priority, right? This is God's Word. I'm going to read to you from 1 Peter chapter 5. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God for He cares about you. God cares about you. He loves you. Why is the church anxious, fearful, carrying garbage around? Why? God's Word says this. Hey, here I am. I've got all the power and I want to release it in you. Will you bring all your cares and your anxieties and give them to me? Well, I want you to take them, God, but right now, you know, I'm just so worried. What? That's not His word, church. Why are we worried? I mean, there's... It's, it's not 
a Democrat-Republican world. It's a God world and a sin world. Okay? And so the enemies had us focusing on this or this. So all the Democratic Christians, listen to me clearly, under the last administration was like, oh God, what are we going to do? It's horrible. It's terrible. Look at this person that's in leadership. Then it's changed. And now the Republican Party's over here like, oh God, what are we, I mean, the Republican Christians, what are we going to do? Look who's in leadership. It's like, hello. Look, look at, this is what the enemy wants us doing. Like focusing on this, focusing on that. The mighty power of God. When you humble yourself, he'll lift you up. Not the United States of America. You, his people. I'm not anti-American, by the way. I'm trying to get the church to awaken to what's important and what God has asked us to do and where our focus should be. It's on the good news of Jesus Christ and the redemption of lost people. Let's continue reading. Give all your worries and cares to God for He cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. (laughs) Okay. So let's learn a little bit of something that God's Word's teaching us by looking at this creature, the lion. So when God's Word is speaking to us about something, so what can we learn about the lion that applies to us spiritually? You know, if you've ever watched those documentaries and you watch that stuff over there, and I love that stuff about Africa and the different places of the world, the animals, it's amazing. Most of the time when you see a lion in the daylight, it's sleeping. It's just lounging and laying around. And you know when they're laying around in the daylight hours and they're just kind of hanging out? The prey, their victims, walk pretty close. They just kind of nonchalantly are wandering around grazing. And the lion just acts like it doesn't even care. They're all right there. Church, when the sun sets, this is fact, when the sun sets, an animal is a completely different beast. The lion is a completely different beast. Did you know that almost exclusively lions roar at night? Did you know that? Under the cover of darkness is when they do the majority of their roaring. You know why they roar? The reason they roar is this. This is my territory. I'm warning you. I'm here and I will fight to the death. Here's another one. I'm here and I'm coming. The lion roars to say, this is my domain. Do not enter. The lion roars to say, I'm about to come and eat you. I'm coming. That's what he does. The lion roars to say, I'm coming for your territory. And he does all that under darkness. Huh. Wow. Man, no wonder God's word says, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In the cover of darkness, as God's word declares to us, the enemy says, here I am. Under the cover of darkness is where he expands his territory. Under the cover of darkness is when he devours his prey. Why do you think God's word says that we're children of light? Why do you think God's word says to be wary of him? Why do you think God's word warns us that the devil is prowling on the move, active? Why, church? Because there's darkness all around us and the enemy's moving. Huh. Okay, so let's keep moving. Proudly proclaiming the territory 
looking to expand his terry and looking for the next victim to kill. That's his purpose in roaring. So, as we think about that, church, has not the enemy's voice become louder and clearer to hear as he celebrates his victories in our society? He's declaring victory in all kinds of areas. And he's loud about it. And he's after more territory. Hmm. Yeah. Let's keep things straight, church. The devil is not stronger than our God. He's not. He can only prowl. He can only hunt. And he can be only aggressive in places of his territory or wherever God would allow or we allow. He does not have free reign. Church, he does not have free reign. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Why do you think the enemy's been trying to get us to focus on everything else? Because once we focus on Jesus, who has all authority and all power, he's a defeated foe. But he wants us focusing on everything else so that he can deceive us and defeat us. When Ezekiel saw the vision, he saw many visions, an amazing prophet of God. I love Ezekiel. He's a crazy dude. He really is. I mean, in a good way. Just out there, and people were watching him because he was entertaining and all that good stuff. But listen, they watched and were entertained, but they didn't listen. Ezekiel had a vision. One of the most horrible, scary visions in the Bible. And it's found in Ezekiel chapter 10. And if you just read through the chapter, you could miss it. But this is what Ezekiel saw. He saw God removing himself from the temple. (laughs) See, the covenant people thought because they had the temple, they could live however they wanted to. They acknowledged God in some ways, but they did not live for him. Therefore, they began to live in a false security, thinking, because we live here and have this, we're okay. Are you hearing me, Church of the United States of America? See, because we think we have certain things, we're okay. When Ezekiel saw this vision, and he saw what happened, God was leaving. Why? Because the people were not living in obedience to what God said. On Ezekiel's vision journey, God said, Ezekiel, watch this. Here's the leaders of this nation right here doing this. Come here, Ezekiel, let me show you this. Let's go inside the temple. Look over here in this side room. Look at these priests and these people worshiping false gods. It's happening in my temple. Hey, Ezekiel, come and check this out. Let's go right by the main gate. Look at the prostitutes that are there. Look at what's happening. Look at the corruption around. Ezekiel, now see this. I'm out. And God left. Church, do you know what happened? As soon as God left, the enemy came in like a flood and Israel was destroyed. Huh. Wow, why? Because, church, God's people became people about everything else, culture, society, power, prestige, flesh. Not God's word. Not God's word. What happened was the focus became the temple and not the God of the temple. What happened was the law became the focus and not the God of the law. So anything the enemy can do to get us out of focus of the main thing is what he's trying to do. And once we do it, we're done for. See, in Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 18, it says this, Then the glory of the Lord moved out from the entrance of the temple and hovered over the cherubim. So Ezekiel's watching this take place. There it goes. The presence and the Spirit of God. 
You know why, church? God won't stay where He's not welcomed and embraced. He won't. God never forces Himself on us. God invites us into a relationship of obedience. The enemy's trying to distract us with everything he can to get us off the focus of God's relationship with us. Our nation removed God a long time ago. You know this, we've said it, you know it in history. In the 60s, remove the Bible from the school, remove prayer from the school. See, this is the enemy trying to distract us. We're going to use freedoms and liberties to begin to erode what this is really all about. Let's begin to remove God from here and here and here and here. And they began to remove Him. And while the enemy was removing God, the church was in itself. Do you know what I heard more than anything else as a kid? I don't mean more than anything else, but the message that kept coming. Well, you know, God's word says that things are going to get worse and worse before Jesus comes. So it's just inevitable, inevitable, just going to keep going downhill until he comes back. So he's coming. So this is obvious. So we stepped back and watched the utter destruction of everything around us because it's like, well, God says it's going to get worse and worse. Who says now's the time? See, the church declared, hear me, they declared, the church declared, it's going to get worse and worse, so here it is. Let's huddle together and wait for the Redeemer to come and save us out of the mess. The whole while, church, the whole while, the church was living outside of God's Word. That's right. See, what happened was we began to compromise in what God says about marriage. The church did. Yeah, culture did it first. You know the old saying when I was a kid? Like whatever the world embraces 10 years later, the church does. So, you know, divorce became acceptable in society and became commonplace. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, several people started getting divorces, but it wasn't normal. Pretty soon, as I grew older and I got married, people's marriages were expected to fail. And pretty soon, marriages were failing at a rapid pace. And then they started failing in the church. And divorce became as normal and regular in the church as outside the church. Statistically, exactly the same. You know what God says? God says, one man, one woman, in relationship with him. And then Jesus said, you know, the only reason why Moses even allowed for divorce was because you're unwilling to forgive anything. And so we're going to allow for adultery to be the only excuse for divorce. Now, church, you got to hear me because God's a forgiving God. I'm not telling you you're all going to hell if you're divorced. We do have to ask God's forgiveness. God will forgive anything and he'll give us a fresh start wherever we are in life. But we need to understand something very clear about where the church has been and where it's at and where it's going. Because, see, we compromised and pretty soon... I don't like that person. They offended me. They did this. They did that. They're this. They're that. God doesn't want me in an abusive situation, etc., etc., etc. Please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. He doesn't want you abused, but he doesn't want you divorced either. Till that do us part, God, we say these words in covenant. Please know that God holds those words. Till that do us part, or until I don't like you anymore. In the church, divorce, done. So now everybody's remarried multiple times, etc., etc. And again, please remember that we're going to listen to what God says here and what we're talking about so you don't, be, you don't have to be offended at what I'm saying. God's a forgiver, healer, and mover forward, you know. Okay, so this is what's happened. The next step in the compromise and the outside of God's word, so the church did that. It's okay if society does it, but the church doesn't need to embrace it. Now the church doesn't even ask the question. 
right? They don't. So let's see what happens next. Enter into the picture the homosexual relationships. So now the world's saying this is okay. It's still love. It doesn't matter. It's pure. It's love. And the church, who's stepped over here now, we've expanded beyond what God says, says to the world, Oh, you're terrible. That's wicked. That's evil. That's corrupt. How could you? While they live outside of God's boundary. Right? So we're condemning them. Pretty soon, oh, it's love. It's, it's real love. It's not really... And I mean, God is love, so God's in that relationship. I'm talking about the church right now. So now the church has begun to cross the line. And there are churches that bear the name of Jesus Christ that are saying, this is okay. Even while God's word says it's not. Why? You see, what the enemy has done is had us focus on things outside of God's word, and we began to focus on this stuff over here instead of what God says and who he is, and now the church is compromising God's word again. And so, church, you know this. As we continue to progress as a church, pretty soon there'll be the minority of churches that don't say it's okay. Because you see, we've lost the focus over here. We didn't just now lose it. We lost it over here. We, we forgot that Jesus said, I've come for the lost. We thought it was about us. We're looking for churches to serve us because that's biblical. We're looking for what makes us feel good and our family feels good and some place that we can invite our friends so they're not offended. Now look, man, as we see this happening, so this is, I, I, you're going to hear me right. I already know you. I'm not worried about it. So here's the, here's the homosexual community. And I will tell you that the vast majority of the homosexual community looks down on pedophilia and says, no way, that is horrible. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, I've talked with them. And they're like, that's horrible. No way. So listen, there's a line that they drew right? They've drawn a line that says this is okay, but that's not. Here's where the church is. This is okay, but that's not. We're one step behind them. We're supposed to be here, but we're here. They're there, so I feel better because I'm not there. I'm here. Even though I'm supposed to be here. Because God says, this is where my people live. In the United States of America, we've told God to leave. He's left. Look, church, God has exited the building. We are not a godly nation. We are not God's people. Forget that. It does not exist. The church of Jesus Christ are God's people. Here's what's happening. No way. Pretty soon it's like, well, pedophilia, if it's in these, if it's this, if it's consensual, it's love. Who can, who can deny love? Why would you think that this isn't love? Are you listening, church? It's the same message. Same message. Because see, we've already lost what love is. We're looking for satisfaction, emotion, feelings. And so if they exist here, they exist here, then they exist there. Right? I mean, is that not true? That's, that's where we're going. And so before long, if I live a normal life, I, I believe right here in the United States of America that I will see pedophilia being embraced by culture. I believe that. And following behind will be the church. You'd be like, oh, no, yeah. Yep. Because you see it started here. We've lost our focus. Now it's here. Then it's here. Then it's here. There's no end to it. 
See, that's what the enemy does. Distract, confuse, take on a journey. As long as it's not focused on Jesus. Listen, church, hear me. Why would God's presence remain in a place, the United States of America, that is blatantly opposed to his word? Why would he stay? Does he live in me and you? Absolutely. But see, that doesn't have national borders. He lives in the heart of people in broken countries all around this world. (laughs) The United States is not his pride and joy. Church, the redeemed are his pride and joy. (sighs) Please don't answer this out loud. I'm going to ask a couple questions here for us to contemplate. Why do we deserve our freedom as a people in this nation? Why do we deserve our freedom as a people in this nation? I'm talking about the United States of American citizen. Why do we deserve our freedom? Based on what? Now, I can get political and say, based on the Constitution. Well, yeah, technically you could say based on the Constitution, but don't forget... That same constitution is why all of these other things have eroded and fallen. Because they have freedoms too. Right? Right. So because we believe in the freedom to worship, you can worship Satan. You can worship that wall. You can worship the dog. You can worship anything you want to. So it's the constitution that has been used by the enemy to erode the main thing. What is that main thing? Jesus Christ. It's not about the United States of America. (laughs) See, the enemy doesn't care. He just wants us off focus. And if he can distract us, get us talking about this, that, and the other thing, then he's won. Do you think God cares more about the United States of America standing than he does lost people? (laughs) Seriously. Jesus came for the lost. Do you remember the parable of the shepherd? He says, I leave the 99 to find the one that's lost. The church is like, hey, we're the 99. Hallelujah, this is awesome. Don't even know the lost is over there. You know what I mean? I mean, do you, you hear me, church? This is our focus. We've lost the focus of God and we've made the focus about us. Anything other than Jesus, the devil doesn't care. Anything other than Jesus, that's all he cares about. So this God we serve, the God of the Bible, has already proven that he cares about his name. Because you see, when you carry his name, you represent him. And so the church that bears his name has compromised his word. It's going down that slope of destruction, just like his people did. Israel, right? Same thing. And God's not okay with that. I just want you to know God is not okay with his name being messed up. You know, because he is holy, he is righteous, he is God. And he cares deeply. So, Though the church bears his name, absent of his power, internal struggles, self being the focus, compromising what his word actually says, teaching others the compromise of God's word, and the church is falling apart before our very eyes. The enemy is claiming territory, he's getting louder and louder. He's more proud about what he's doing today than he's ever been in the United States of America. And we're looking over here like, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, because we need to get out of here. Things are going bad. They're going to get worse. And I'm wanting to take it out because I don't want to live like this. (laughs) I want you to know God has spoken. God has spoken. And he has spoken in history. And he's given us the glimpses of who he is throughout history so that we would understand who it is we're called to serve. Check it out. The little book of Jude. Dear friends, 
I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now, I find that I must write about something else. Urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to His holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. Saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. Do you know how many people in the church today just don't even bother with marriage? They just live together? Do you know how many people are like just sleeping together and having sex and all that stuff and just think it doesn't matter? See, it matters to God. It matters to God. (laughs) There's a reason He says to do things His way. It's called the right way. It's God's way. But the church is like, yeah, we'll do it our way. See, this is what it says. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago for they have denied our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Who's they? Those that are believing that they can live an immoral life. Let's continue reading the Word of God. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago So there's a record of this, church. There's a record of this. He gives some of it to us right here. You ready? So I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later He destroyed those who do not remain faithful. Right? God had a plan to redeem this people. They didn't live for Him. So then God said, all right, there you go. There's history. It's recorded for us. This is the reminder right here in God's Word. And I remind you, the Word of God continues, of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness waiting for the great day of judgment. (laughs) See, God's a righteous God. He's not messed with. We're going to continue reading. I think. You want to? Yeah, there it is. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. These cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. (laughs) Pretty amazing, isn't it? So look, all we have to do is look in history and God's like, I've called these people my people, but if they don't live for me, I'll remove them from my presence. I don't mess around. We look in history and God says, you know, even the angels of heaven, when they joined Lucifer and tried to overthrow God, he's like, you're done. You're done. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, when they were filled with their own immorality and their, their perversions, God said, I've had enough. Abraham's like, God, would you kill the righteous with the unrighteous? No, I won't. Would you save Sodom and Gomorrah if there's a hundred righteous? Sure. Well, how about if there's 50? Yep. How about if there's 10? Oh my goodness. There wasn't even 10. The fire of God fell. We're like, man, we're safe because we got a lot more than 10. No, we're not, church. We're not safe. See, we live in a heathen nation that has told God to leave. And the darkness now lives here, all around us. He's calling the people of light to focus on the darkness instead of Jesus. And the church has obliged it. We've been focusing on everything else. See, history reveals what happens when people turn their back on God and through disobedience and compromise, judgment comes. History shows us. And church, we're still compromising. The church is compromising. That's me and you, by the way. We're the church. So we already know what God's asking us to do and what are we doing? 
What are we doing? It matters. We've lost the focus. We've been warned. The messages of God are clear. The call of God is the same. It's all about Jesus. Church, there's three responses to God. Repentance, living in the truth, and then sharing that truth. That is what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Repent from not living in the truth. Live in the truth. Share the truth. That's not real complicated. That's God's word. That's where we're being called. When you're being focused on all this other stuff, you, my friends, are being deceived by the enemy. And he's trying to get us off focus. Church, please, please, today I have one action step. What do you need to do in response with the truth? Repent, live the truth, and share the truth. Where are you? Or all of the above? The altar's open. Stand with me. The Holy Spirit is faithful and He's moving, church. Have you compromised? Have you lost focus? Are you looking at other things? He's calling us. He's calling us. Church, He's calling us to get focused on who He is. What He says and what He expects. Please hear Him today. Father God, as we come before You in the name of Jesus, I come before You, Lord. Lord, I confess that there have been times where I have been so looking off everywhere from where I ought to be. Even in my desire to serve you. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would help me to be single focused today. God, only you. Only you. Have your way, Lord. We ask this in the name of Jesus, Lord. Have your way. Altar's open, guys. You want to come, come. You're good. You're dismissed and you're free to go. Just ask you to be obedient. God's calling. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Lord.